my problem. If you believe that, you can be seated. Some of you, I know, must remain standing so we can pray for you. No, I'm just joking. Some of you didn't even hear that. Hallelujah. We want to welcome everybody who's joining us online. Welcome our Meeker campus. Um, praise the Lord. It's a great day uh, to be alive. It's a great day to be a member of the body of Christ. It's a great day to be a member of local, the local church. Amen. Member of the local church. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Amen. Our endeavor is to continue to recognize and realize the importance uh, of us, the body of Christ in these last days. And so uh, I just want to encourage you along those lines uh, that Jonathan was speaking. He, he mentioned the change that took place in his daughter. At the same time, Awana, as we were searching out things there, and one of the things that may, uh, you know, be a little bit more, but uh, uh, Awana isn't just for the kids, it's for the family. And so, uh, you know, Parents, as you value that, you take your kids, they're going to come home and be reciting scripture, but they're going to say, Mommy and Daddy, uh, help me to memorize my scripture. And that gives you a great opportunity to say, I will. Not I don't have time. But for you as moms and dads, to put the same value on the scripture. And so the parents that have done that, they've come to me and said, I'm so glad for Awana. I've memorized scriptures I've never memorized before. I mean, 30-year-old Christians. I memorized the scripture with my children that I've never memorized before. How awesome is that? Amen? And so you're getting involved with your children in Awana. And so uh, it's not just your kids and say, well, I'm not going to take them to Awana because they're going to come home and that's going to make more work for me. No, it's going to make a greater blessing uh, for you in getting into the word with them. Amen? And uh, it's just a help for you. Amen? So those are great, great things that you can get involved in. Again, ladies, sign up for the ladies' conference, and uh, that's going to be an awesome time together. And, um, man, I'm looking forward to all the fruit that will come uh, out of that ladies' conference. And, you know, as we said in, in, uh, uh, with the men's conference, that there's, uh, you know, people are coming from Wyoming and uh, Grand Junction, different places, that in these meetings... Um, you know, you can go to worldwide meetings and stuff, but God's doing something in our region. He's starting to do something. People are coming together. He's allowed us to be a meeting place, a gathering place together of multiple local churches and people of that, uh, encouraging the women, encouraging the men, uh, and to go back and, uh, we believe, affect a region with the word of God, the spirit of God. Amen? And so, um, praise the Lord, we're so thankful for that. We're in a series of messages that we have entitled, We Are the Body. And very quickly, uh, just for review, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Do you know why many people believe that, uh, uh, man, I'm living from paycheck to paycheck? Uh, just like Alan said, you know why many people believe that? Because they hear it every single day. Hear things on the news every single day. And sometimes people shut off the news, but many people watch it and they're like, why do they keep reviewing this same thing over and over? No, they're just listening and they're saying the same thing over and over. And so when we review a little bit, don't just shut off because Peter said, though I know that you know these things and you're even established in them, as long as I'm in this tent, it would be good that I put you in remembrance of some things because it's easy to forget in the midst of day-to-day -day life what God is saying. It's easy to get a readjustment of what God 
may be saying to us because we're out in the world today and our emotions and the things that take place it's easy to get offended and immediately you know when offense comes what we don't realize is devastating effects of an offense is really an offense begins to harden your heart and when your heart is hardened you cease to understand things that you used to understand Jesus said when there's a place of, uh, of hardness of heart and lack of understanding, even the understanding that you did have will get taken away from you. When offense comes and you're not understanding anymore, you start to look in other places. You start to look and say, where's another place? Where's something else? How can I prove that whatever offended me, I'm better than that, which works in insecurity and a downward motion and a separating motion that comes. So it's good for us to be put in remembrance of the things that God's saying to us over and over again. And so I believe that it's very vital. It's, it's a big part to understand over, over really uh, many, many years, uh, people have prophesied of the last days, a great harvest of souls into the earth and uh, uh, talked about different moves of God, where different moves have been, how they've been in different venues, different places. We talked about that. But it seems like in many uh, places by many different people who have spoken about things to come, that the last great day's revival would be a move of God in local churches full of the word and the spirit of God, know how to move with the spirit of God, local churches. So there's been a, uh, you know, whether you've been around or not, if not in your own heart, but even outwardly, even uh, organizations that would say that they're part of the church have come against the local church. Right, talked about the local church. And so if the move of God is gonna happen in the local church, it would seem reasonable that the, devil would come against the local church right get people discouraged with the local church going outside the local church for feeding and, and, and information but if jesus is doing something in the local church then we have to view it as jesus views it and see the importance of the local church and what he's doing because really in fact god is doing something and he begins in you when you get born again and what he, the work that he begins in you, he begins to work for our own life, our own newness of life, our own character. And then that is essentially first supposed to touch our family. And sometimes people get born again, they don't like the situation in their family, but then it moves to the church. Right? It should move from the local church really into the understanding that there's a universal church that we're a part of. But every step where that more close relationship hinders us, we endeavor to jump to the next place that's least connected so we feel like, well, I I'm all right in this place and, and I'm learning a lot, but the application of it comes right where we live. And so if we don't understand who we are, if we don't understand how that affects our family, if we don't understand the local church, it'll be difficult to understand the universal church and how the universal church changes the world. Amen. And so as we begin to look at the local church, we begin to see, and we looked at in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 when they were taking communion and Paul is talking to a local church, their specific 
actions in a local church in taking communion and having their love feast. They started as a local church out of every tribe, tongue, people, nation. They came together, Jew, Greek, slave free, and they ate together. It was an odd thing, very odd thing in the culture of the day. They ate together, uh, they communed together, but society began to influence them again and they started to eat richer first, then poorer. And Paul said, man, you're coming together. And at the end of that, you're taking communion, the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, and you're not seeing or discerning the picture of the body as I see it. Just allow me. He says, you started seeing what I saw, the union, the, the togetherness, the love that would take place, but you began to take in the influence of the world, and now you're not seeing it correctly, and because of that, you're partaking of the body and the blood of Jesus, and, and there, it's affecting people within the body. So we would read that and say, you know, many are sick. So it must be the people, the people who didn't partake correctly, they must be the sick ones. He doesn't say that. He said, y'all, if you're partaking and not discerning rightly the body, instead of healing in the body, right? Instead of healing in the body. And so we want to get the picture that Jesus has. It's a broad picture. It's a big picture. But Jesus had, we saw that, Jesus mentioned the church twice in the Gospels. One, the universal church. He said, I'm going to build uh, out of every uh, person, every believer from every age and in every place. The universal church, there's going to be a gathering together of all of us at one time. That brings that hope. Then he talked about the local church, really, and how you create union. When he was talking about that, how to restore a brother or really bring uh, about that to pass. And he's looking at that word, uh, Kahal from a, a, the Hebrew word uh, we translated into Ecclesia where there's a gathering together that even in the Old Testament God called told Moses gather the people have church together that they might hear my word that they might learn to reverence me amen that they might learn to reverence me that they might teach their children to do the same, that they would live under the authority of my word in their life. And so uh, he says, I'm going to build a church. I'm going to have a local gathering that connects to a universal church. But that local gathering of believers is so that we might hear the word, learn to reverence God and who he is. Amen. God's saying something today. I was talking to somebody last night. I, I, I did a wedding last night, and so at the reception, I was talking to somebody, and they were looking at the world today, and they were looking at so many things today. Um, didn't know them, don't know exactly where, where they attend church, but they said, it just seems like, you know, this was out of nowhere, un, unsolicited. It seems like uh, uh, younger people today, the generation today, has no fear of God. And I was like, hmm, that sounds almost like John Bevere, right? That there needs to be a reverence of who God is. And, and, you know, they just went on to say, you know, they were thinking, you know, it should be my way. Uh, things should be the way that I want them, the, the way that they are, instead of the way that God said they would be. Somebody I don't know, I'm just talking to them. I'm like, hmm. So God's speaking to people in different places in their heart about something about his word, about reverencing him because he wants to do something uh, within his body. Amen. And so we looked at that and began to say, you know what, if we get the wrong picture talking about discernment of the body and we begin to think of this, you know, overall, the pictures that people get of the body, that this should just be, you know, a, a gas station. I come to fill up, but when I feel 
uh, a little bit filled up. I got enough energy to go out and do some things and do my own things. We're going to get empty. I come and get filled back up. And, uh, you know, other people think it's a movie theater. You know, I just come in and the music should be just right. And, and I should feel a lot better when I, when I leave than when I came. And certainly, you know, nobody wants you to feel worse than when you came. It's just a mindset. You know, maybe a drugstore to help me with my pain, uh, a big box store, where can I get everything for all of my family in one place, where can people be happy and, and, and cheerful and serving me and all that, yet that picture is never, ever brought out within the scripture. So in other words, we get a different paradigm because of the world, because of, you know, for certain reasons, you know, people uh, have certain things to say about the church, about things that have happened to them in the church. And so people, you know, trying to help and pad with that say, well, you know, wherever you went, if it, if it didn't make you feel good, church should make you feel good. Well, sometimes and sometimes maybe not. I mean, if you're living in sin and we attack something, I hope you don't feel good when you leave unless you repent then I hope you feel better than you've ever felt before. But if we don't address it and you leave thinking, I'm all right, you're not all right. right if you have offense against somebody and you leave more feeling worse because they were here and you're offended with them, then you're just going to feel worse. But if you forgive them, you'll feel better than ever. So it's not always simply that we feel better we get exactly what we need and so jesus you know gave us a picture paul began to give us a picture we looked at that of the body of christ he's the head we're the body amen we're he, we're the head he's the body or he's the head we're the body and and the head has to have the body to get done what it's going to get done in the earth and it has to be a body that understands, take the signals from the head, moving down through the nervous system. There's places that the head communicates to other parts. And he set up that, that aspect and that understanding of how he moves and how he communicates with the parts of the body so that things get done. And so in Ephesians chapter 4, we were here last week. We wanna, uh, we're going to take a brief stop off here and in Ephesians chapter 4 and then we're going to go back just a little bit Ephesians chapter 4 right after he addresses some leadership in the body that we'll take in another time but he says it's for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry for the edifying or building up just put that in your mind write that off in your margin somewhere Again, I encourage you to, you know, bring your Bible, bring, uh, um, you know, uh, bring your Bible to church. Don't just rely upon the screen. You know, I was talking to just somebody the other day. They said they went to a meeting and they weren't using a screen. They were using their Bible. And they said, I was, I was falling so far behind because I didn't know where stuff was in my Bible. Okay, so I encourage you, this is for convenience, but just go ahead and look that up. Can't say all of the time. Don't want to, uh, you know, say just all of the time. But when, when people are ministering here, I have my Bible. When Alan is doing uh, the announcements and he calls a scripture, he's moving pretty fast. I know we move pretty fast for time's sake. But uh, when he calls that, I go in and I try to find that scripture. Because I want to read it. This word is alive right here. And it helps me to know where it is in my Bible. How it looks in my Bible that I take a, take a part with that. So then when, I, when I'm not here, when it's not on the screen, I know where I'm looking in my Bible. 
You know, I have this, this electronic Bible for a reason. It's easy to navigate, but also I can make the letters bigger. <laughs> but in my Bible, there's, there's highlights, there's marks, there's pages falling out. Uh, sometimes, even if I can't remember a scripture reference, which I know I'm a pastor, I should know every reference in the whole Bible. Sometimes I don't, but I can find that scripture because I know where it is on the page and approximately where it is in the book because we've used the book. Amen. So we have this for your convenience, but I encourage you to get the Bible and get a Bible. Bring it with you. Find it, mark it up, highlight it. Even if it's electronic, you can highlight things that when you're flipping through, even when you're reading, it comes back up at you at some point in time. Why did I highlight that? What was going on when I highlighted that scripture and it makes it more alive to you? Why? Because we're the church. We're coming together to hear the word, for the word to impact in life and, and be remembered and held on to. Amen? He says, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until, till, or until, highlight that, underline that, until we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect or complete man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. He says, together as a local church body that he's talking about, and certainly that connects universally uh, in the end, but he's saying, we're looking to grow and mature till we're completed in the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. There's something supernatural that he's looking for to take place in a local church body that we begin to look more and more like Jesus, not more and more like the world around us. He said that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Well, what's he saying there? He's saying, you know what? There was lots of doctrines even starting up and coming around a lot of religious fads of the day that when Paul would go and teach and establish a local church, others would come in and, and even some would say, well, that's great what Paul taught you, but you got to add some stuff. Oh, you got to bring the law back in. There was always people trying to bring different teaching and Paul said listen there's an establishment of the local church to keep you moving in a direction connected to the body in this vein so that you're productive in what you're doing not trying always being trying to do what somebody else is doing by the trickery of men and cunning craftiness deceitful body speaking the truth in love that we may grow up somebody say grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ from whom the whole body is joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which each part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love now turn over to uh, Ephesians chapter 2 Ephesians chapter 2 just for a moment today we're going to go away from uh, just the body analogy to hopefully bring a little bit of clarity to some things he's talking about. Uh, uh, again, the pictures that are used, none of them are of drugstore, drug supermarket, big, big box store type of things, but he does use analogies because the body is difficult to understand. We need the Holy Spirit to help us some, but he uses different kinds of pictures. And so in Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 21, he uses the, the, the analogy of a building. The church is a building. He uses it a few times. So even when we understand the body, the body is uh, edifying or building itself up. 
for a certain purpose, to come to a desired end, right? To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In other words, there's an end that God has in mind. Uh, as we look at Jeremiah 29, 11, uh, God says, I know the thoughts that I have for you. They're of good and not evil, of a future and a de desired outcome. In other words, God has a picture concerning his church. He has a blueprint. He actually has the finished plan. Right? I believe that God has a finished plan that he's marked out of new creation church. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Because God sees the beginning from the end, the end from the beginning. He knows why he planted this local church here, that he's doing something within the local church. And there's a plan. There's a, an eternal plan, a God plan in that. And God's working and he's building to the end plan. There's always a process that's going on. And so when we talk about this building up, it's good to, I believe it'll be good just to switch over for a moment to the building, the analogy of the building. And so he says this in verse 21, 22, he says, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. A building, a whole building being fit together grows. Some other translations say a building that's being built arises into a holy temple or a finished product. And so when you're building in the midst of a building process, you have plans, you have an end result, but you're building. And so Jesus is building his church. He's anointed some. Uh, Paul said this. Paul said uh, he had been graced to be a master builder in the building of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I just want to bring out three things uh, this morning that maybe I trust will help us. It'll even help you if you've been frustrated uh, here or if you've been in another local church, been frustrated about some things, uh, maybe help bring some clarity uh, to this. First of all, uh, the building that he's talking out is a building of people. The church is a building of people. Turn over to 1 Peter chapter 2. First Peter in chapter 2 says, You also as living stones, somebody say living stones. You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So he brings out something that's very important for us to understand, that Christ, Jesus, is building with living stones. Living stones. There's a difference between a living stone and a stone that's not alive. There's many different attributes if you had to build with a living stone as God does uh, about movement and things moving around. But really, even as, as Paul is talking about this analogy, at least somewhat, you know, he's not thinking about brick and mortar because in, in brick and mortar, every brick is produced to be the same size and the same shape. But he's talking a little bit more about maybe this, you know, Tasha and I went to Ireland uh, some years ago and driving up and down, you see uh, these uh, dry stack walls everywhere. You want to put a picture up there just so we can maybe 
these dry stack walls everywhere, and they have been there for a long, long time. Right? Even buildings that are built, you can put the building up there. Buildings that are built that we look at, and they have stood for centuries, hundreds of years, some thousands of years, and they're, they're built, they're, they're dry stacked, but look at them. The, the stones are fit together, but they're all different shapes, and they're all different sizes, yet they're fit together in such a structure that lasts even so many times, even more than our uniform type of building that we think looks really neat and uniform, but this doesn't look uniform. It's many different sizes, many different shapes fit together. And so really the building of God's, uh, the building that takes place, there's a master builder, but it takes all different sizes, all different shapes that begin to come together in this place of a living stones being there. The problem is, is when you get a living stone in place, if it doesn't like where you placed it, it tends to move itself. If it doesn't understand what exactly is going on, it gets uncomfortable and it begins to move itself. But the master builder says, I want you to understand that what's going on is I'm putting you together with somebody of a different shape and a different size and a different thought process. And the reason that I'm going to do that and the things that are going to happen is you're going to rub against one another in the process. Once we pull you out of the quarry, we pull you out of the, the world, we're going to put you in, I like this analogy, put you in a, in a wheelbarrow together. And as you're going to the job site, you're going to be bumping around and you're going to be rubbing against other people. And if you think that rubbing against other people makes you uncomfortable, just wait till you get to the craftsman and he picks you up and puts you down and then picks you back up and starts chipping away at rough edges to make sure you fit exactly where you belong. See, I like my rough edges. Leave my rough edges alone. He said, but you won't fit just right if you don't let me chip away. So we, we, you know, we just even declare once he comes, you know, if you watch a mason sometimes, they'll come and they'll, they'll think, you know, they'll search out and say this fits right here and they'll fit right there and then they'll move it and it wobbles a little bit. So they'll pick it up and they'll start working the edges until it sits firm. And so we get in there in the first initial setting, we're like, this wobbles a little bit. So we get off and say, well, I didn't fit there. It didn't wobble. He said, well, just hold on for a second. I'm going to knock some stuff off. And when I'm done, you'll fit exactly where I have placed you. So we just have to understand that the master builder is working with living stones and you won't just be sitting right next to or, 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 or across from somebody that just looks just like you. There's such variation. And when we look at people not just like us in our rough edges, we're like, you know what, I, I just want to find people just like me. Or you might come in here and say, you know, I don't know if I belong here because I look around and I'm just not like a lot of people. Then you belong here. You don't have to look just like everybody. But you're going to fit with everybody. See, there's a difference. that You don't look like everybody. You're not the same, but you fit with everybody. Sometimes we get, we get it weird. We're like, I want to look like everybody. We say we don't, but you do. You're looking for somebody to look like. But then we don't fit. But he says, you're not going to look like everybody. But I'm going to chisel off some edges so that you fit with everybody. 
And many times we think our rough edges are the gift. We think the rough edge is our uniqueness and our grace, and all of a sudden somebody whacks on that. All right, we'll go on. Come on. Why? Because God's fixing to fit you into a place where actually that thing was hindering what he intended to fit together, but you were hanging on to it. And when he hit that thing, you got up and started running because you're a living stone. Praise the Lord. Number two, the church is a work in process. The church is a work in process. It's an ongoing process. He's saying we're being built together until we are come to this place. So that means we're not there yet. We're not fully there. So because we're not fully there, it shouldn't really surprise us in the total picture of it, you know, that the church looks a lot more like a construction site than a showroom. Come on, sometimes we're looking around, we want everybody to be perfect and everything, you know, to look just right, everybody to, to be operating just as they should, but church is a messy work. We're all in process. Thank God. Philippians chapter 1, Paul uh, wrote to them Philippians 1 verse 3 you can turn over there he said this he said I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine making requests for you with all, all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now he said listen I heard about your fellowship in the gospel not, your, not what divided you, your fellowship, and it brought me great joy, and I don't cease to pray for you. Sometimes we get that a little mixed up. If you read through the, the scripture, Paul says, man, I heard of your faith and love, so I don't cease to pray for you. I heard of your fellowship, so I don't cease to pray for you. We always think we need more prayer, prayer when we don't see fellowship, when there's division, when there's all that. We need prayer. But Paul continued to say, man, I heard of the good things, and so I just keep on praying for more good things, more fitting together, more stuff. He wasn't looking for the drama. He was looking for how they fit together, how they fellowship together, how they loved one another, how their faith was in God, not other things. And he said, boy, if I pray that this continues, you're going to grow and increase. He said, because I have great confidence, right, that he that has begun a good work in you will complete it. Somebody say complete it. Until the day of Jesus Christ. Again, he's talking about some things that apply to us individually, but he's speaking to a group of believers, a local congregation of believers. So in that, he's speaking to individuals, but he's speaking to the whole body. So he's saying God started something in you that he's going to complete. But he's also started something here that he's going to complete. And he's going to complete it by what he's doing in you and what he started in you and what he started in you and what he started in you. And as he starts to complete what he started in you, as he completes a transformation of what he's doing, the produce of the Spirit in us, it draws us closer. It causes us to fit 
Some people will say, you know, I come in here, this just looks a little bit messy. You know, why can't people just seem to find their place? If you think that, I know it's our vision. I'm, I'm really wondering. <laughs> Sometimes. And they'll say this. Some people make this statement. Where's the presence of God in a place like this? Well, Jesus is here right now as the master builder. His presence is here building us together. Well, this thing looks a mess. Where could Jesus be? He's working to build us together. So we have an idea of the presence, but he's here. How do you know if, you have, if you're working on a remodel or you're building, you know, and you come up and you, you say, man, you know, everything's all still wrapped in the package it was delivered in. Everything is just sitting there, the holes in the ground. What do you think all of a sudden? The builder ain't showed up yet. But man, when there's activity and there's stuff out of the package and there's some partially up and there's, there's forms being put in the ground and there's stuff all over the place, you know, the builders are here working. And so often we think when everything seems perfect, Jesus is here. Well, Jesus is here in the presence of the master builder. He's working on some stuff. Come on, if we get the proper picture, we're like, thank God, we're going. Jesus is there. Jesus is going to work on a few things. He's going to break off a few edges. He's going to show me where I'm going to fit together with somebody else. Come on, he's fitting us together. He's joining us together. He's building us together. It gets a little sloppy at times, gets a little dusty at times, gets a little dirty at times, gets a little messy at times. But you know, as he's fitting us together, he's breaking off rough edges, what we didn't think would ever fit because it was uncomfortable, it seemed a little wobbly. Once he's done, we're like, wow. But you know, God's building a great building, but while he's building this building, and shift gears on you a little bit, some of you may get this, some of you may not. But while he's building his building, and sometimes we look at it, and so he's moving us, but we think, you know what, if I keep wiggling around a little bit, I won't quite fit in this place. If I don't let him do exactly that, there will still be a little wobble when he steps away. But understand this, that the enemy's looking for that because while God is looking to build a great building, the enemy is looking for the wiggle room to play a spiritual game of Jenga. Yeah. Should have brought the game up here. Some of you are looking at me like a cap at a game. <laughs> Jenga is blocks fitting together, crossing each other to build somewhat, you know, of a tower. And then in order to win the game, you start poking and prodding to see where there's a little looseness and a little leeway and you keep pulling out blocks until the structure is so weakened that it falls over. And so the enemy's watching to see what we're allowing Jesus to do so that when we sit in a place, it's firm. And when he pokes and prods, there's no movement there. There's no wiggle room. There's no like, you know what? Something here, something there, something somebody says, somebody who sows a little discord division, boy, they can start wiggle and pull me out. And when he pulls you out, it's like, ha-ha. But then he sets you aside and goes back to work on weakening the church. He doesn't pull you aside and go, now I'm going to make you something great. He sets you aside. 
And so our God is looking to build a building that will last forever. The enemy's looking where there's looseness to pull people out. And then it begins to weaken the structure of the body. Praise the Lord. Come on, so whenever we come into the local church, you can always find things. A lot of people will come in, they'll, they'll be critical, they'll be cynical. You can always find things that aren't yet done. I remember this, this story a um, minister told us. They said, you know, they had a, a woman who really wanted a prayer department in the church, and, and, and she just kept bugging them about a prayer department. They agreed, but they were working on getting things in the right place so it would be right. And in the process, she got offended and she left. Well, in the process of time while she had been gone, they had developed a, a powerful prayer department. Well, later on in life, uh, as they told the story, uh, this woman, somebody called and said, I don't know if you know it or not, but this woman's in the hospital. Well, she had, you know, uh, gotten sick, and so really not many people were coming to visit, so the pastors went to visit her. You know, there was a lot of reconciliation that took place, but the story was told that it was very sad to talk to her and know that the very thing that she saw, she left before the completion of it. Why? Because there's many things that God still has for the local church, many things he still said. Some people say, well, why isn't this happening? What, what's going on? Well, when you have living stones, sometimes you think you're just getting there, and all of a sudden, you know, a Jenga takes place, or, or they get up and move, and now there's a reestablishing, a refitting together of the blocks that you have. But God will work to finish what he started. He'll work to finish what he started. Lastly, he talks about this in and the third thing is really the church is a, an eternal home for Jesus that's in preparation right now. He said, you're being built together as a spiritual habitation. God's always been looking for a place to dwell with man. And so in the Old Testament, came into the tabernacle, he came into the temple. In Solomon's temple, he came, he dwelt there. The glory filled the house, and then they got off on other things. History tells us that they began to carve into the walls of the temple of God astrological signs. They got off, and, and, and the thing is, whenever they got off, even with the golden calf, they called the golden calf Yahweh. And they started to get off in error in the temple of the Almighty God where the glory was. They began to put... Uh, uh, um, um, astrological signs. They begin to worship the sun, the moon, and the stars, not the, the, the God of the universe, the almighty God. And so the temple was destroyed. They built it back again. The glory never came exactly like it did in the first temple. And so Jesus created a temple. He created you and I, and he said, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, the Holy Spirit's not coming to just be around you, with you. He's going to come to dwell in you. And so you are, but he also explained to the local church body, the church of Corinthians, you are. So if we are, together fit together, we are. And he's in preparation, building a great dwelling place, not the four walls of a building, but as we come together in a building and we are fit and knit and joined together, we're those rough stones and we're allowing the Spirit of God to break off things and fit us together. There's something going on that we call a corporate anointing that becomes stronger. 
But when things are loose and when things are out of place, we may say, well, I'm all right. But he has a bigger picture planned for the local church body. So, well, oh, that's interesting, but what do I do this week? All right, well, let's just take this and what can you do this week? Well, number one, you can let this develop patience in you. And God's not finished with you yet. God's not finished with us yet. As you get up and you find out, you know what? I feel, man, I just keep seeing things that could be different. I keep seeing things in my life. I keep seeing things that, that, that in the church that could be different. Well, God's not finished with us yet. It'll help us in every area to go back to what God has said and what God has planned for us and say, you know what? God's not finished with us yet. It's by faith and patience that we inherit the promise. And that I'm willing to stay with you, God, and watch the completion of some things that are taking place. So we get the right picture and we see ourselves fitting together. We edify, we build one another up. Not just looking for what we get out of it, but what we bring to it. Not just looking for what my gift brings to it, but really what am I fitting together with somebody else? Because the individualism that can come when we're talking about you in Christ separates us from how we are in Christ. And he's working it all together. For if everything is just about you, how does it ever become about the body? But if everything is just about the body, how does it become about you? And there's a constant spiritual working, and yet there's a working of living stones where we rub up against each other. Strangely enough, God used two major institutions that are perplexing and totally imperfect to rub off the edges on us, and that would be family and church where you're close enough to people that they know what your faults are, what your, what your challenges are, what the situation is, and you rub up against them. And it makes us uncomfortable because now those rough edges are exposed. I had a person one time come to me and talk to me about everything that wasn't quite right here and how they were involved in an organization and, and, and how they were rising and they were going to be great leaders and I should let them do some things and, 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 you know, just very critical of those things. I thought, you know, I scratched my head. I said, something's not right. There, there's something that I can't believe in all my heart. I can't believe that they're seeing this correctly. So I actually called the head of this organization. <laughs> I said, man, I just have a question to ask of you because this, this confuses me a little bit. Knowing the organization you have, knowing the structure, knowing how it's reaching out, just have to ask you a question. Certain person, are you raising them into a position? Don't care, I'm just wondering. You can do whatever you want. They said, oh my, my, no, no. They actually sent me a list of things that that person would have to actually grow in and do before they could fit into a position in their organization. It was outside the local church. See, sometimes we're not patient enough. We think, oh, I'll just do it somewhere else. But maybe there's a misunderstanding of what God's doing. So when we're patient to see what God's doing, why is that happening? Why is that time taking place? What rough edges are being worked off of me? Why is it that every time I get next to that person, that's where it seems like I keep coming back to? Those people right there, that department right there, that area right there, why does it seem like I wobble? Because there's a few red rough edges that still need to be knocked off. Secondly, 
so you can put this to practice. Use it to help you stand against sin. Knowing that this week you're going to go out into the world, you're going to be tempted to say things you know you shouldn't, do things you know you shouldn't. But when you realize, wait a minute, I am a member of the body of Christ. I live in his presence. I'm a part of a building process of a local church. And if I'm a part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm a member of his body. Why would I say that? And why would I do that? I won't. See, when we get individualism, it's about me. And if I make that mistake today, it doesn't matter. But if I'm a part of something bigger, when I get tempted, I stand and say, no, I'm a part of something bigger. I'll not do that. It'll help you. Stay away from that. Thirdly, let it bring joy to your life. God's not done yet. When you see the picture that he has of his church, a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, when you see, if you understand, no, uh, you know, we'll cover this some some point, that as we find people and they get in their place and they're fitted in their place, we're going to see the glory of God. We're going to see people come in and, and, and lay their life aside that they've had and give their life to Jesus Christ. They're going to lay bondages aside. They're going to lay sin aside. And in that, we're going to see a healing flow of what God is doing through the body. As we see the hope, there's a joy. You say, well, I don't see that yet because we're still in construction. God's still doing some things. As we fit together, collectively, it becomes more and more evident what God is doing. Sometimes we've seen things before. And some of the stones gotten out of place. Some of them don't understand the analogy. Just stay with me. Some of them went to heaven. So we're in a rebuilding, if you will. But God's not done yet. If we think, well, I'm just going to go where it's done, you probably won't because every place is in process. It may look good. You may have seen the plan. But when you get into the integral workings, God's not done yet. Amen. Why don't you stand up? Praise the Lord. I hope you got something out of that. My goal really is for us to see what God is doing. For if revival will take place through the local church, then local churches will be built strong. For an accomplishment of reaching out into the world, awakening to the revival that is upon the earth. Some may see in a different place. Some may seem farther along in the process than others. Some may have built differently at a different time. They're seeing different things, but God's not finished with us yet. He's got great things in store. Amen. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We magnify you. I thank you for what you're doing right here in this place. I thank you that even what you're doing affects a region. Even more and more, it's affecting other local churches, not only that you have called us to plant, but local churches 
that you're connecting for a region, even in the nation, <clears throat> into the nations of the world. We've seen it in part, but even there's greater things yet to be done if we look at the blueprint. So we thank you. We look with hope. We look with great joy of what you're doing and what you'll continue to do because you're always working to build us, to equip us until we come into that place of maturity and completeness. And we thank you that though we're not complete, you are ever working in us, bringing a greater fulfillment, a greater completion of that which you have planned from the beginning. We thank you for that. And we praise you for that. Every head bowed, every eye closed, just a moment. If you're here today, you say, well, that's all good, but I don't even know if I'm a part of the body of Christ. You may know everybody here, but we don't want to leave without giving you the opportunity. If you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you might have attended church and said, that covers me, but you've never said, Jesus, come into my life and be the Lord of my life. You get engrafted into his body, into his church as it was for that active place of membership being coming alive as a living stone to be fit into his building through making him lord and savior if you're here this morning you've never made jesus christ the lord of your life you've never said i'm done with my way of doing things come into my heart forgive me of my sin and be the master of my life if you've never done that just raise your hand up we'd love to pray with you bring in that place of the lordship of jesus christ anybody at all don't know everybody here. I want to make sure we give you that opportunity to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, you can look up here. Let's say this. We go, what God did in Christ Jesus? Far exceeds. Any damage done to me? By Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great day.